The following is a production of Omnis.tv. Tonight on Sunday, welcome special music guest Matt Reese from Fear Factor. I also cover the NFL playoffs, top movies at the box office, and butt-dialing robbers. All this and much, much more tonight on Unsigned. <laughs> Hey everyone, how's it going out there? Welcome to another edition of the Unsigned Show. My name is Ryan. Thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Got a big, big show for you tonight. Uh, we got music from Fear Factory on the show a little later, so uh, definitely stick around for that. You're not going to want to miss it. It's good stuff, I'm telling you. It's going to be off their new album, The Industrialist. Very, very cool stuff. I tell you, we got a lot of other things to cover. Like I said, uh, NFL playoff picture, but uh, I want to get into uh, a story that I found today. You know, I'm sitting, I'm drinking my coffee, getting a little caffeine going this morning. I'm hanging out, and I, I come across this story, and I go, you know, we live in a mobile world. Everyone's mobile. You got mobile this, mobile that, mobile phones. You know, everyone's go, 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 go. You know, we are a fast food nation, right? This story, definitely taking it to another level. You know, I guess if you're going to have a mobile meth lab, and you're going to drive around in your flatbed truck, you probably want to do it sober, as sober as you can, I guess, with a meth lab in the back, right? Now, a couple uh, from Arkansas was pulled over this past Saturday in Oregon after their commercial flatbread truck was reportedly driving recklessly on the state highway. During the traffic stop, police determined that the truck driver, Stephen Smith, age 46, was intoxicated. This is according to KVAL. Now, officers later searched the contents of the truck and found a small dismantled methamphetamine lab uh, inside a box on the flatbed truck. Police arrested Smith for DOI and manufacture of methamphetamine. His passenger, Bridget Golding, 39, was also arrested later on the same charge as well. Obviously, she's not going to have the DOI charge. Good job, Bridget. Now, according to uh, Oregon Live, drug enforcement agents on Sunday obtained a search warrant and seized, obviously, the drug lab and a small amount of methamphetamines inside the truck itself. You know... <laughs> Like I say, it is a mobile world, right? I mean, you've, you've seen, uh, I don't know if anyone has seen that the, uh, the, the, food, the mobile food truck show on Food Network, you know, are heading that way. Maybe on pay-per-view, we just have a bunch of these wacky, you know, crazy people from Arkansas and Mississippi drive around the cross country and see whose meth lab loads up first. Just an idea. You know, speaking of mobile world, everyone's got cell phones anymore. Everyone's got a cell phone. I got a cell phone, a touchscreen. Every once in a while, you forget to lock it, and you, uh, you butt dial somebody or you pocket dial somebody, right? Now, if you're going to do something that these two women did, you want to make sure you probably have your phone locked or you don't call the place ahead of time, right? Two sisters were arrested. This is the day after Christmas on December 26th uh, for inadvertently pocket dialing a hotel in Naples, Florida. They had allegedly just robbed. This is according to the UPI.com. The robbery happened actually back in November on the 18th, the Inn Palace Hotel in Naples, where a woman was wearing gray pants, gray sweatshirt, sunglasses, and a black bandana uh, covering her mouth, walked in, approached a woman at the front desk, put her hands inside a shirt as if she was indicating she had a weapon. This is according to WBBH-TV. Now, the suspect uh, demanded money from the register. The clerk, the clerk complied. I mean, you're waving your gun your place. She's probably making 10 bucks an hour. Yeah, here, have the money. Don't shoot me in the face. Now, according to this, the robber, you know, ends up getting away. Now, once the clerk realized she was safe, she calls the Naples Police Department. 
Now, this is a woman who's really, really good at her job, apparently, at this front, this front desk clerk. While she's filing a police report, the hotel desk actually rings. Instead of finishing a police report, she actually answers, answers in place hotel and ends up being the person who just robbed the hotel. Turns out this woman is actually Ashley Alwyn, 22 years old. It was a former hotel employee who was fired two days earlier. <laughs> she butt dialed, you know, she I probably had it in her contact. She worked there. You got your employee, you know, uh, number in there. She obviously didn't think it through thoroughly enough. You know, ends up uh, this actually ends up convicting her. She's just didn't stand trial for uh, for uh, armed robbery now. But uh <laughs> Unbelievable, you know. So uh, I guess if you're going to uh, go rob something, make sure you get your phone locked, right? Speaking of butts, this one, this one's a head scratcher for me. Uh, a second person is actually facing charges for murder of a Georgia woman who died from an illegal buttocks implant in Mississippi, only in the South. I'm telling you, um, you know. The Mississippi Authority, uh, Attorney General said uh, in a news release that the 39-year-old Natasha Stewart of Memphis, Tennessee, was arrested January 3rd. Stewart, uh, who also goes by the name of Pebbles. Now, I, I don't know about you. I, I'm not into plastic surgery. I, I've come to the fact that I look the way I look, right? So uh, I guess if, if you're looking for plastic surgery on the cheap, you probably don't want to go find someone who goes by a short name uh, of the name of Pebbles. Hey, I know someone who does plastic surgery, bit your your ass look bigger. Her name's Pebbles. You should check her out. She's in Mississippi. So uh, the woman goes and has this procedure done, ends up, uh, you know, because of the injection, she ends up getting, getting blood clots in her lungs and obviously later kills her uh, several days later when she's in Georgia. Uh, the charge is actually called depraved heart murder. Apparently, they have a name for it. It happens so much. Uh the, the legal term uh, demonstrates a callous disregard for human life, and that results in death, and it carries a life sentence. So uh, this woman, Pebbles, performs this procedure on this woman and ends up killing her. Now, apparently, uh, this woman called Pebbles. Hey, Pebbles. Hey, Doc. Dr. Pebbles. My ass is, is bloated. I don't feel real good. Uh, what's your recommendation? Pebbles said, you know what? Go take some, uh, go take some uh, Nyquil or some cough syrup or something. You'll be fine. Of course, she died a couple of years, a couple of days later. Again, sad but true story, uh, and I thought I would share it with you this evening. And these are stories. Another story that we typically bring up on the show. This is uh, another head scratcher to me. A married South Carolina teacher was arrested on Friday with suspect of having uh, suspected of having sexual relations with a 17 year old student at her home, Kinsley Winsky. 34 years old, was charged with sexual battery after investigators in the city of Columbia learned that she had allegedly brought the male home with her and had sex with him on several occasions. Now, uh, Kinsley uh, reportedly knew the boy from uh, high school where she taught honors uh, in her English class for the last seven years. He hasn't been in high school seven years. She's just been teaching seven years. I want to clarify that. Now, uh, there's something about these hot English teachers banging their students. I mean, uh, I'm sure at least one student said, I like a teacher who gives me something to take home to think about. Teachers should guide without dictating and participate without dominating. Helpful advice. You know, the basic idea behind teaching is to teach people what they need to know. And apparently she was definitely doing that in her honors class. I wonder if all essays were actually given longhand. Hmm. You know, I mean, you want to talk about a compound sentence, conjugating a verb, Miss Kinsley, honors English teacher, 
I would say well done, but apparently he got caught, so it wasn't that well done. But I'm sure the 17-year-old boy had uh, – I'm sure that time in school was, you know, you would talk about after-school program. That's definitely one I probably could have got into in high school. I'll tell you that right now. Now, this is an interesting story. I worked at Subway way back in the day, you know, and, and occasionally people would come in and, and do dumb shit and just be, you know – just kind of be a little irritating and you know you'd get a little frustrated and you'd make their sandwich and you'd push them along the line and you know you'd maybe mutter something under your breath to them or make fun of them in a way they didn't understand which is fine now uh, in Orlando Florida this particular subway uh, shop was located in a, a Walmart so you know right there and then a 911 call had to be involved so uh, this employee ended up being fired. Uh, Luis Martinez stopped by for a Phil- old Philly cheesesteak at Subway located again at a Walmart uh, and asked Lawrence, uh, who was the sandwich artist, with American cheese, onions, and ketchup. Now, uh, Lawrence stated that, you know, we don't have ketchup. Uh, we have, you know, a plethora of other sauces. We just don't have ketchup to put on your Philly cheesesteak. Who in the heck eats a Philly cheesesteak with ketchup anyway? What the hell? I don't blame Lawrence for being mad. I'm mad about just what the hell's wrong with you ordering a Philly cheesesteak with ketchup on it? Where the hell are you from? Anyway, uh, apparently the two uh, ended up in a conversation in an exchange words and a uh, Apparently, a possible gun threat was put out as well. So Martinez called the police, and Lawrence actually just walked out on a subway job. That's one less sandwich artist we have at Walmart, ladies and gentlemen, one less. And uh, no trials, tri- uh, charges are actually being filed at this time. But uh, I'll tell you what, if you're on a subway and-, and Lawrence gets a new job at Subway, do not get ketchup on your cheesesteak. It really pisses him off. Let's jump into music news tonight. Uh, you may have heard about this. Uh, David Bowie, music idol David Bowie, broke. Uh, years of silence and speculation today, actually, in the release of a new single. His first single in nearly almost a decade and also has a new album to follow. The star uh, uh, who shot to fame in the late 60s with Space Odyssey surprise fans suddenly by releasing a new recording, Where Are We Now, on his 66th birthday. Where Are We Now was also written by David Bowie and recorded in New York City and was produced by long-term collaborator Tony Fincato, who uh, has worked with many of his famous albums, beginning with 1969 Space Odyssey. A follow-up album called The Next Day is set to be released sometime this March of 2013. I wonder if they're going to package that together and you get a copy of, uh, what's the David Bowie, David Bowie uh, movie, Mike, from the uh, 80s there? Was it Labyrinth? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, it was Labyrinth, man. It was an awesome yeah, Labyrinth. movie. Labyrinth. I wonder if, you know, maybe you get a VH copy of Labyrinth and a, you know, a piece of the wig or something if you buy David Bowie's new album. Betamax. You'd have to get in a Betamax format and get to wear a wig. (laughs) (laughs) Good old, good old Betamax and a piece of the wig from uh, Labyrinth. Speaking of also having a birthday today is Elvis. I'm in Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Um, Apparently he was spotted somewhere. So, you know, Elvis, Elvis lives, baby. He's the king. Memphis, Tennessee. Now, this is an interesting article I thought I'd share with you tonight. A uh, big fan of Alice in Chains, as you know, and also Mad Season I thought was a great CD, uh, at, you know, especially for its time, collaboration of uh, Lane Staley, uh, guitarist Mike McCready from Pearl Jam, bassist John Baker from The Walkabouts, and percussion drummer uh, Barrett Martin from The Streaming Trees released just one album. This was actually done in 1995 uh, above. Now, a deluxe edition is set to be released April 2nd of this year. The three-disc CD set will have the original album and previously unreleased checks from Mad Season's unfinished second album with new lyrics and vocals from Mark from Screaming Cheat Screaming Tree, excuse me. Uh, the second CD is an audio from the band's final show. The third disc is a DVD of a live show at Live at the Moral 
uh, as well that was uh, previously unreleased, a Seattle bonus footage show that they did as well. Uh, in addition to digital and, and physical releases, uh, you also can, you know, get it on vinyl if you if you choose as well. Uh, it looks like it's set to be released again sometime. Um, the vinyl looks like it'll be released later on. Uh, around April 20th. So if you're a big fan of Matt Season you, you know, and you want to take a look at that, definitely keep an eye out for it this April. There, that album, 1995, actually went gold. It sold 500,000 copies. And uh, now Saunders passed away in 99, and, of course, Lane passed away in 2002. I'm interested to hear what uh, some of those unreleased tracks sound like. And the Black Keys, I'll tell you what, uh, this band, you know, they're from uh, Northeast Ohio, originally where I'm from. So not not bad for for a couple dudes from uh, from Ohio. So hometown guys, uh, you know their El Camino album, which was released last this past year, uh, is going to get five Grammy nominations. And the album before that, 2010 Brothers, which I think is a great CD, got three Grammys uh, as well, and also was runner up for Tighten Up and also scored platinum status. Uh, they actually came out and said they're in record another uh, another album this sometime in January and actually have it released in March so the record isn't written yet and that uh, they do all their work in the studio and that's where their best work comes from uh, all of our records take place in the studio that's where we make stuff up and that's how we're going to go with it welcome to the show this evening very special music guest on the show bass player for Fear Factory very happy to have him on the show it is Matt DeVries Matt, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, hey, thanks for joining the show, man. Uh, I know you just got done doing a, kind of a, a Euro tour with Fear Factory about six, seven weeks, right? Yes, correct. So uh, kind of taking a little time out, and uh, you'll be hitting on the road again. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit. I'm curious. You, know, you grew up in, in Northeast Ohio, uh, much like I did, uh, started playing in bands at a young age. Uh, how did you first get started uh, in music? Yeah, actually, I grew up about 35 minutes southeast of Cleveland, uh, a town called Chagrin Falls. And, um, you know, my my parents kind of uh, encouraged me to play piano in an early age, which uh, I later on appreciated. Not at the time, but, you know, I was, uh, I'd say, about seven or eight years old. I uh, went from there to uh, playing saxophone because um, I basically had to pick an instrument, and that's what I picked in uh, middle school. Um, and And after that, I, you know... There was a neighbor across the street. He was older, and uh, everyone everyone on the street kind of looked up to him. He was like the cool guy, and he played guitar and he listened to Metallica. And I thought it, I thought it was rad, so I wanted a guitar. I wanted to be cool like him. And um, you know, it took about a year or two of begging my parents, but they finally broke down and bought me a guitar. So uh, and they appreciated the fact that I actually practiced that instrument, and uh, and supported me from day one. So I was I was lucky with that. Um, and from there, just uh, met the right people, started the right, uh, you know, started the right bands, I guess, and had a good time, and uh, and then uh, so on from there. Very cool. Do, do you remember what the uh, first guitar was that they bought? You remember what, what kind of was? It was a Quart Electric. Uh, it was based off of a, a Fender Strat, uh, red and uh, white pickguard. Pretty slick. <laughs> very very cool. Do, do you still have that that guitar by chance? I don't. I sold it to a friend, so at least I know where it is. And that was, um, God, that was years ago. That was when I was a kid. Oh, very cool, man. Now, uh, do you remember uh, the first songs you ever learned playing on that guitar? Uh, I can remember the first song I ever played was um, probably House of the Rising Sun. And, um, yeah, from there, I actually I listened to a lot of classical, classic rock back then. So, like, I tried my best to play Zeppelin and 
And then after that, I had a friend that listened to a lot of Rush, so I tried to play that. And uh, I say try to play because I was not good when I started, you know, like most people. But uh, sure. but it was a lot of fun, and I just stuck with it. Very cool, man. Now, uh, you know, speaking, you know, listening to a lot of classic rock, obviously some early influences for you musically. Uh, do you have um, kind of putting you on the spot here a little bit with uh, top five albums? If you had to pick five albums or certain albums that whether, you know, stuff from early on in, in your music uh, beginnings to even now, is there five albums that really stick out to you? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, God, I, I think the, my favorite record of all time is honestly uh, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Um, it's one of those records I can listen to to this day, you know, front to back every day, just about. Um, so I'd have to throw that in there. But um, let's see. I'd say Slayer Seasons, uh, Napalm Death, Harmony Corruption, Carcass Necroticism, and um, the first cassette I ever bought, which was uh, Beastie Boys, License Ale. Nice. There you go. I, I remember I remember rocking that cassette in my parents' garage, just, you know, just like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm licensed ill, you know? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't stop playing that. You know, I thought it was the funniest thing. And plus, you know, at that, obviously, 87, uh, I was 10 years old, so it was, it was uh, pretty risque um, lyrics oh, yeah. to be listening to at that age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, right there with you on that, man. But uh, still, I think definitely a timeless album. I'll tell you what, man, um, let's take a quick break, Matt, and uh, we're going to hear, uh, this is, you know, from the band that you're actually with right now, that is Fear Factor and Recharger off the new album, uh, can you, what can you tell me about this this track uh, and your enjoyment with playing it live and joining the band, man? Uh, this actually this is the first first song off the newest record that I I learned to play with these guys. So it's a it's a very cool song, up tempo song. I I love playing it because I'm looking at the crowd. I know I know people appreciate the song and dig it a lot. Very cool. Well, here it is. This is Recharger here on Unsigned.
That is Recharger on Unsigned by Fear Factor, hanging out with Matt. Matt, man, uh, really cool track off the new album. Now, uh, I want to backtrack a little bit on you, if that's all right. Now, uh, you were with Chimera, uh, what, about 10 years or so, right? And you left the band late 2011. Um, can I ask, uh, what was the reason for the departure after uh, really a long and really successful run with that band? Yeah, no, I, I honestly, um, I don't regret a thing with Chimera. And I had time in my life being in that band. And uh, I got to achieve many things that, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I hoped would be possible and then came to fruition and, it was just a great time in my life, but at the same time, um, you know, towards the end, to be honest, the chemistry just wasn't there anymore. Um, and with all the lineup changes and the new guys, you know, they're great guys. Don't get me wrong. I think they're, they're awesome. And, um, you know, I wish Kamira nothing but the best, but, um, you know, by the time Rob quit, I knew it was time to move on and try something new. Completely understandable. Now was, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, it was it more of just a, musical direction uh at that point uh for the split or was it kind of a was it more of a, a mutual thing like hey i want to explore because i know you went with six feet under for a short time was it more of just you know when i want to just explore other options yeah with six feet i was just having a good time playing bass and doing something on the side um so it wasn't necessarily because of that it, was, it really wasn't because of six feet or or wanting to try something new it just I, you know it just didn't feel right anymore so that made me think what do i want to do with my life um and I want to stay in the music, you know, industry. So I wanted to keep keep performing, and um, I lucked out with with this gig. So, yeah, well, you, know, I, you joined. You've almost been Fear Factor almost a, a full year now. Uh, you joined them uh, what late January, early February, two thousand twelve. Uh, how did that come about? I mean, were you approached by Dino, or was uh, you know how, how did that come to mix? Yeah, I actually I, I met we met Dino. Camaro uh, opened up for Fear Factory in two thousand one on a tour with uh, Machine Head, El Nino, and Fear Factory called the Roadrunner Road Rage Tour. And uh, we just hit it off, you know, me, Bert, and Dino, um, and specifically kept in touch with Dino. And he would come to uh, Camere shows throughout the years when we would play L.A. And um, just, I'd say, towards the end of being in Camere, I hit him up via text um, for someone's, you know, contact information that I didn't have anymore. And then he hit me back with a text like, hey, you know, what would you think about playing bass for Fear Factory? And I just hit him back. I'm like, You're, really? Um, <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. you know, I grew up a Fear Factory fan since, uh, you know, early 90s. Um, so, I, you know, I jumped on it, and uh, it's, been, it's been great. You know, I'm happy with the decision, and, and it's been awesome to be a part of uh, such a cool band that made such an influence on my life. Yeah, I know Fear Factory is uh, – I, I mean, one of the top – metal band especially gosh at least in the last 20 years you know if you, when you look at it now uh, you were obviously on tour with them for the last six seven weeks you know hitting the road um obviously the, the tour went pretty well you know with traveling i mean obviously you did a lot of traveling with chimera what's your favorite thing and least thing about traveling uh you know when you're on these tours man um i guess i guess the best thing about uh, uh touring in general is just traveling around the world meeting different people um learning different cult learning about different cultures and uh just being on stage almost every night and entertaining people in general, because um, that's what I've always wanted to do, uh, and I'm lucky enough to do it. And I, I guess, I guess the, the only thing that the only downside, the worst thing about it, is just missing your family and friends. Because um, other than that, it's, it's it's pretty much a perfect perfect uh, scenario. I could definitely see that, man. I, I I would think the other downside is you know you're you're heading to all these places, whether you're in London or Germany or whatever you're going to be. Uh, not being able to maybe take in the sights. Do you ever get a chance to, you know, just, you know, like 
hey, we're going to be in the town for two or three days and take some, you know, do some sightseeing or just kind of take in the culture of the towns you're in? Yeah, that's actually a good point. I mean, sometimes you just see the inside of a venue. And a lot of times on tour, when you're playing these gorgeous cities, you're on the outskirts playing a, uh, you know, maybe an industrial park or area where it's hard to get into the center of town. Or you don't get off stage till one in the morning. You go to sleep, you wake up too late. And, uh, you know, by the time you wake up, you're just doing press, um, sound check, getting ready to play and then playing. So, oh, I, I guess, you know, you really, you, you know, it's, um, it's, it's awesome because you're, you're playing every day in front of people just about, but, but you're right. You don't really get to experience every city, but I tried to make it a point, um, specifically me and, uh, Burton and, uh, Ryan, the drummer of, uh, Devin Townsend Project on the last tour, we, we went out just about every day and, and took, you know, either a train or a cab or walked to city center and took pictures of, uh, different things. Cause, um, you know, I know, I know if I, if I don't make myself do this, I'll regret it when I get older and, you know, the grandkids will, you know, it'll just be cool to, to tell that story and show those pictures, you know. Yeah, definitely, man. That's good. At least, you know, you, you recognize that it takes some time to kind of take in the sights. I think that's really cool, man. Now, obviously, the crowds, uh, how have the crowds been in the last uh, on the last show, man, the last tours? Really good. Um, it's actually, we, we've been we've been touring nonstop um, with the exception of a couple weeks or months here and there. So uh, what's real cool about Fear Factory is that you can you can tell that there's certain fans that have been listening, you know, for as long as I have and um, how much they appreciate it. And they, they, tell, they come up to me and tell me that, like, this is my 15th time seeing, you know, Fear Factory over the years. And th- these are, in, you know, obscure countries that you wouldn't think Fear Factory's been there that many times, but they have. Um, especially the last tour. I mean, we, we toured for seven weeks and hit a lot of countries uh, throughout Europe. And um, there were just they're, there's intense shows, big shows, uh, old fans, new fans. It, it was it was pretty surreal like there pretty big big shows and packed houses so it was a lot of fun very cool man now um i guess this you can answer this i guess for either any band you've been in uh what are some of your have you ever had any like really obscure uh odd moments that stick out as far as live shows or interesting things that have happened to you while on stage anything like that at all um let me think i I think the first thing that sticks out is uh playing 2001 or two with slayer we were opening up for them, um, God Hates Us All tour, and all of a sudden we, we did this we did this thing in a song called Severed where we'd swing our guitars back and forth, and there was a floating side fill monitor on stage, and I whacked it and I felt it I felt it you know what I mean, but I just kept playing and I and I, was, I was looking down I didn't really notice anything, and uh, after a song I handed my guitar to my guitar tech and the whole headstock was ripped off and it was. <laughs> It's such a clean break that um, it didn't affect anything because because I had I had my my locking tuner up on the neck, <laughs> so it was in perfect uh-huh. tune. After knocking the entire headstock off, I handed it to, to my guitar tech, and uh, he actually started to tune it, not even looking at the headstock. And then he looked at it, he's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and I, I still own that guitar because uh, ESP fixed it for me, and um, yeah, I don't play it, but uh, I still own it. That's very cool. Life. Good story, man. First story that came to mind. Right on. Very cool, man. Thanks for sharing that with us tonight. Now, um, a, a, a song that you mentioned uh, we were doing our uh, kind of emailing back and forth that you really enjoyed playing live was uh, this is actually off the, the title of the CD, The Industrialist. Uh, what is one of the reasons you enjoy playing this song live? I guess um, 
uh, I guess one of the reasons I like playing that song live and the reason I like playing bass in Fear Factory as opposed to guitar is because uh, it's being in Fear Factory, it's it's like playing rhythm guitar um, because um, Dino's very meticulous with, with his playing and he wants the, to, the bass player to match. So I get a lot of gratitude in, in playing and it's a, it's a challenge, you know, playing... Um, hitting every single note that Dino's hitting on his right hand on a on a thick gauge string like that. So industrialist to me, when I first learned it, I was like, whoa, whoa boy. And uh, so I, I guess it's one of those songs that, um, you know, it's a challenge, so I enjoy playing it every night, and it's just fun. Very cool, man. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's take a break, man, and, uh, and uh, we'll do another segment. This is The Industrialist by Fear Factor here on Unsigned. Thank you. 
Fear Factory, the industrialist here on Unsigned, hanging out with Matt from Fear Factory. Matt, uh, I mean, I, I might have to call you like the hardest working guy in metal, man. I mean, uh, touring like crazy with Fear Factory. Now, you're also going to be hitting the road with Unearth, I believe, uh, re- coming up here in the next week, right? Uh, how did that come to be? Yeah, actually, I fly out Sunday to uh, rehearse in Boston for a couple of days before we start that tour. Um, yeah, I like keeping busy. I mean, I, I, I can't lie. One of the reasons is because in this industry, you know, in this day and age, in order to make money, um, most of the time you got a tour. So that's, that's one of the main reasons besides loving what I do, why I tour so much. So I had a big gap to fill in between some tours. So, uh, you know, Unearth hit me up and asked if I got could on base for slow. And I said, I'd, I'd love to, because I've been friends with them since the early 2000s as well. We started touring with them in 2001 or two, and uh, kept in touch, got got real close. Some of my best friends are in that band. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep keep busy. You know, it's, it's, it's a bittersweet thing. I love being on the road, but it's hard to leave home. So, but I keep doing it because I love it and uh, pays the bills, I guess, right? Right. Yeah, definitely, man. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, now Fear Factory is your full-time band, though. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I just wanted to, because I know there was, you know, there's been some, you know, chatter on blogs and stuff, you know, when people found out you were going to do the Unearth thing. I just want to make sure that, you know, Fear Factory is your band, you're doing the Unearth thing. Well, I think it's cool, man. I mean, uh, it's a good gig. Was uh, was joining Fear Factory, you know, was it a, was it a big change? Obviously, you've been playing guitar and bass for a while, but um, from being Camaro when you played guitar, uh, join, you know, was that a big change for you? Yeah, actually, um, like I said, it was, it was a bit of a challenge switching instruments and uh, playing rhythm guitar on a bass, uh, I guess in that style. That's that's why I say it. Uh, but um, it's um, it's a little easier, I guess, because, uh, um, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not, uh, besides besides playing and giving my two cents, I, I don't have to be as hands-on or uh, with the business. So uh, it's kind of like uh, sit back and uh, enjoy and I uh, have a good time with, uh, but at the same time doing a lot of work, meaning learning a lot of songs and playing every day. Um, but um, not not as much, um, not as much to worry about. So, Very cool, man. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned. I mean, going to that Fear Factory catalog, man. That's a, that's got to be a pretty big catalog of music to, to to be handed at one time, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I always say, as long as I've got a good two weeks on my own. And uh, maybe at least a couple days to a week with the band. I'm all right. <laughs> there you go. Right on. Now, uh, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit, Matt. Uh, now, I know you're, you're a sports guy like I am, and uh, I, I grew up in Northeast Ohio. You grew up in Northeast Ohio. We're both Browns fans, and uh, you know, it, it's hard to be a Browns fan most seasons. Uh, now, I also know you're a hockey fan as well. Uh, what is your take on the uh, NHL lockout, their uh, third lockout in eight years now? Yeah, yeah, as far as the Browns go, it's unfortunately it's hard to be a Browns fan. But um we always say there's always next year. Right. And there's always <laughs> next year and there's always next year. <laughs> so, yeah. But I've been I've been a fan since I was a kid. My dad was taking me to games in the mid eighties and I just you know I I haven't stopped being a fan. I'm I'm always gonna be a Cleveland sports fan. But um as far as hockey, I love the penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, Cleveland doesn't have a team so I had to go somewhere. And um, the lockout's killing me. You know, I think the lo- the last lockout, it, uh, it hurt the sport a lot. You know, it ended up uh, taking taking hockey off the major networks. And um, you know, hockey's not the most um, it's not the most popular sport there is in the you know in the first place. So um, anything to hurt it is is a bad thing. Um, 
but yeah, I'm just I'm hoping for the best. And they, you know, it just looks like there's not going to be a season. And even if there is a season, you know, it's it's way too short to be a real a real season. So I'm just missing hockey and wishing it was here. I'd be going to games right now if if it was here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, as far as you know, the the Browns thing, I'm the same way, man. I, you know, it's always next year, always next year. And you know, since they come back in '99, it's we. Unfortunately, we've seen like, the worst football. You know, I, I've been to a couple of different cities, and uh, you know, people, I, I'm in, in the Nashville area now, and people are like, "Oh, the Titans are awful." I'm like, "You guys have been to the Super Bowl and have had 14 and two seasons in the last 12 years." I was like, "I was yeah. like, we've been doing awful for 12." You know, so when you mentioned uh, you're from Cleveland, like, oh man, are you a Browns fan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I always say yes. Yep. You know, I. I yeah, man, it's uh, it's rough, but I, I think that you know they, they're finally. I, I really think that they're really turning the corner this year. This year, I think when they're gonna, they got the right, the new ownership. I think is gonna be is huge. Uh, my thing with the NHL, man, is uh, I, I've said this on the show, and, and I'll say it again tonight. I really, you know, obviously losing the TV contracts with ESPN and and Turner Broadcasting and the in the the major networks, CBS, ABC, you know, the list goes on there, Fox, so on and so forth. Losing those contracts is huge from the last lockout. They missed the whole season. Uh, I think they should shrink the league, in, in my opinion, um, down to even sixteen or even twenty teams, you, you know, and then maybe even shrink the season down to sixty-two uh, to try to just revive just to kind of you know is, do something to, to try to get the fans back and i know some people don't like hearing that but that's you know that's i always thought maybe they could you know kind of contract the the league a little bit in my opinion yeah yeah no no that's a that's an interesting take on it i mean there's there's a lot of teams that you know i live in i live in you know outside of lauderdale florida's got a team for christ's sake but you know they were actually good last year so you never know but there's some teams uh, there's some cities like, I'm surprised that I have hockey. I just love the sport though, so um, whatever's gonna whatever's gonna fix it or make it better, you know, if that if those two things made it better, then I, I'd be all for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it'd be interesting to see. I know that they're in talks right now. They got the the federal mediator involved, so I you never know if that's going to be a good thing when you get federal mediators and, and lawyers and, and all those types of things involved now. So it's hard to tell how that's going to work out for them this year. But uh, I know you're really into into mountain biking as well. Uh, did you get a chance to uh, do any in, in the short free time that you do have? Did you get a chance to uh, do any uh, mountain bike riding here in this holiday season? You know, unfortunately, I didn't. And um, you know, up north, I did a lot more than I do down here. You know, I'll take uh, I'll take uh, my nine year old or my ten year old guy just turned ten. I'll take him out um, every now and then, but uh, we got we got there. There's a couple trails, but nothing nothing yet since I've been home because uh, you know Christmas got got pretty pretty busy and we did some other stuff. But uh, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to I'm missing it. Right on, man. Well, cool. Hopefully, you know when you do get some free time and you get to, get a chance to go out and. And enjoy some uh, some bike riding, and uh, I imagine probably you know nice clear mind, you know, kind of go out there and just kind of you know get some exercise. Probably feels pretty good, man. Yeah, I have to take advantage of the fact that I can actually you know moving from Cleveland down to Florida, I can actually bike whenever I want down here. So I got to take advantage of it. <laughs> right, no doubt, man. Now, um, I I heard uh, something from an interview you did uh, several weeks ago that you may be again you're just always you're a busy dude man uh that you may be working on a, a solo project with some solo music with some other artists uh, i don't know if you uh would care to elaborate on that or if you're just kind of keeping that closed in right now yeah no no um i think i've said before that um i don't want to say too much just in case it doesn't happen but um you know I, when i'm home i try to get on my guitar and write what i can you know whether it's riffs or a full song and you know mainly riffs here or there and uh i've been talking to some people that uh 
you know, are pretty well known in the industry that uh, want to do a side project. So when and if I do have time, I'm going to try and uh, at least put out maybe three or four songs, maybe an EP, maybe something on iTunes, maybe one. And, and just, just so, so I can, you know, get back my uh, guitar fix. But um, if I'm lucky, 2013. <laughs> so well, cool, man. Well, uh, definitely, uh, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Keep us in the loop, man. If that definitely comes in, we would, uh, we'd definitely be interested in hearing some of that, man. I will for sure. Definitely, man. Well, hey, uh, I know you also uh, give lessons uh, occasionally on the side. Um, you know, it, if people want to get a hold of you and find out kind of what you're up to, uh, whether it be touring, Fear Factory, you know, a solo project that you, you know, maybe working on later in the year or something, how can people get a hold of you either on, you know, Twitter or website or something like that, man? Yeah, they can hit hit me up. Um, I've actually got, uh, you know, twitter.com uh, forward slash MFA DeVries, uh, facebook.com forward slash MFA dot DeVries. Um, also on bandhappy.com under, uh, you know, you look at my profile, MFA DeVries. So pretty simple. Hit me up. You want lessons or you want to check out what I'm up to, you know, Facebook or Twitter, or uh, just hit up MFA DeVries.com. Um, it's in, it's in the works right now. It's just a launch site, but, uh, should have, uh, you know, one of those things, at least you'll, you'll be able to see what I'm up to and see what, uh, I'll be up to. Cool, man. Hey, uh, Matt, thanks for stopping in, man. Best of luck to you on the uh, On Earth Tour and also uh, your uh, continued success with Fear Factory. And uh, best of luck to you, man, and uh, have yourself a good one. Right on. Thank you so much. Right on, man. Take care. This is uh, Fear Factory. We'll close tonight with New Messiah here on Unsigned.
uh, Fear Factory, new Messiah here on Unsigned. Thanks to uh, Matt and the guys from Fear Factory for uh, allowing us to play the music and coming on doing a great interview. And uh, Matt is currently uh, actually playing tonight in Knoxville, Tennessee with Unearth. And uh, so definitely uh, check that out. Going to be a good, good tour. That is uh, that is going to be a brutal tour with Whitechapel. And uh, Matt is uh, one one heck of a dude, stand up guy. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the solo stuff he mentioned there. Well, hopefully, we will revisit uh, uh, Matt at some point and uh, have him come back on the show. A really cool guy, man. I tell you what, let's jump right in to our NFL playoff picture. All star, star, offense. Everyone but the center. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Congratulations. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. They are who they thought they were. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Opening up our playoff picture talk. The Bengals for the second year in a row go to Houston for the second year in a row. Look like the Bengals. <laughs> now, what was I thinking last week going? The Bengals, I think, can win this game. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 1990. But me, being the genius I am, go, last Saturday was the day to do it. No, obviously not. Uh, the Texans look like they, they regained what uh, many, including myself, thought they had lost the last quarter of the season. And uh, that this could be interesting when they go up to uh, New England. We'll talk about that in a moment. The other AFC game is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Indianapolis Colts. And I tell you what, the Indianapolis Colts story all season with Chuck Pagano fighting uh, leukemia, coming back to the sidelines. You're not going to find a better story in, in sports uh, in the year 2012 and that one. Uh, not many. I will. I will say that. Uh, now a big story that was going into that game was Ray Lewis, uh, middle linebacker of 17 years for the Baltimore Ravens, <clears throat> Cleveland Browns, um, is announcing his retirement. And this was the last game he would play at Baltimore Stadium. Teardrop. Um, the Ravens, who, again, much like the Texans, struggled in the last quarter of the season, looked really, really good at home. They played good at home pretty much consistently year after year after year. That defense looked a lot better. Plug in Ray Lewis and all of a sudden look what that defense looks like. Not that they were great by any means, but uh, much improved and really smothered Andrew Luck for most of the day. An impressive rookie season ends for Andrew Luck and that Colts team is a lot better than people give credit to, but this sets up a big time big time matchup. Is Baltimore heading to Denver to take on Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos this weekend? Now, last time Baltimore was in Denver, they got their butt kicked big time. It was a route. Now, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I do expect the Broncos to win this thing, but uh, I think the Broncos pull away late, uh, which will more likely. You know, looking at the box, you go, man, they got blown out, but it'll probably be close all the way through until Peyton Manning eventually breaks down that defense. The Texans head to Foxborough uh, with the burnt image of that Monday night game fresh in their minds. So they got a Tom Brady curbside road stomp. They got stomped, humiliated, embarrassed the last time they were in Foxborough. Uh, I tell you what, you give Bill Belichick a whole week to prepare for you. And then you give them a bye week on top of that, and you give them a home game. I, I just think that the Patriots will win this thing. And then at that point, you're looking at a showdown, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning in Denver. You can't ask for a better matchup than that to see who goes to the Super Bowl. And that, in two weeks, will be one heck of a football game. I think that's definitely going to happen. Looking at the NFC side of things as far as NFL, 
for playoffs are concerned. The Vikings did all they could to get in this in in the picture. They got in the picture. They photobombed the playoffs, the Vikings did. Look, 90-plus percent of people, including myself, did not think the Minnesota Vikings were going to win six games, let alone get into a wild card game this year. They came, they saw Adrian Peterson ran wild all season long coming off that injury, but the Packers, who look like a well-oiled machine, they they kind of this Packers team reminds me of that Packers team a couple of years ago that won the Super Bowl. They're going to pack up and head out to the Bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers. That is uh, you want to talk about clash of styles. Uh that is going to be a good football game. Uh, I think overall when you look at both sides of the football together, I think the 49ers are a better overall team and should win against Green Bay at home. Now the under the other Sunday game was rookie versus rookie, RG3 versus Russell. Don't call me Stover's Wilson. RG3 and the Skins jump up 14 nothing in this game. Many thought, including myself, the Seahawks are plucked. This is over. RG3 is rolling, right? Then all of a sudden, RG3 leg buckles on him on a play. It turns out later we find out that it's MCL, ACL sprain of some type. Now, uh, he ends up staying in the game and playing way, way late into the fourth quarter. The Seahawks defense finally find their sea legs. Wilson gets going. Marshawn Lynch was outstanding at running. Like I said last week, Marshawn Lynch, not a lot of people talk about Beast Lynch. That man is Men amongst boys when he gets running downhill like that. I mean, the jump cut moves, one heck of a running back. He is amazing. He, he is one of the top. You know, there's Adrian Peterson. There's Marshawn Lynch. Those are the two best running backs in the NFL, if you ask me. Now, um, this sets up uh, the Seahawks rattle off 24 unanswered points to win that game in Washington on the road. And everyone's like, oh, they're a bad road team. They're a bad road team. They're a bad road team. Look, that defense... They turn you one-dimensional. When you turn one-dimensional against that defense, you're in trouble. And that's what happened to Washington at home. This sets up a showdown. Number one seed, Atlanta Falcons, taking on the Seahawks. Look, a lot of people were interested uh, how you're going to call this because I I think both teams really evenly match. I think the quarterback play, obviously, Matt Ryan has a lot to prove here. They, They Look, the Falcons have had very good records the last couple of seasons and have disappointed and made early exits year after year after year. And you know what? I don't think this year is going to be any different because the Seahawks have a tendency to become one-dimensional and get pass-happy. And you know what? If you do that against Seattle's defense with that front seven, and they love to get at the quarterback, that is the worst thing that can happen. I think for the Falcons to win this thing, they need to find balance between run and pass, run and pass. They have to have balance. You don't have balance against the Seahawks defense. You start throwing the rock all over the field. They're going to pin their ears back, and they are coming, and you know they're going to run the football with Marshawn Lynch. The Seahawks are a very, very dangerous team. I think they win this thing in Atlanta to everybody's surprise, and that sets up an NFC West showdown, 49ers-Seahawks, the rubber match in the Bay for the NFC title to see who goes to the Super Bowl. Now that is going to be must-see TV. This has been your NFL playoff picture. Join us next week. We'll cover these divisional games and the outcome of those games. Let's take a look at the top movies at the box office like we do every week on the show. Interesting week here. Uh, number 10, Promise Land at $4 million. The Guilt Trip at $4.4 million. The movie Lincoln, still on the top 10 list, been on there a while now. $5.4 million. This is $48.3 million. Jack Reacher, $9.1 million. Parental Guidance, $9.7 million. Les Miserables, or as they say in the South, Les Miserable at $16 million. The Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey at $17.5 million. The Django Unchained comes in at number two? What? $20.20 million. And then uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw this, and I was like, this got to be a typo, right? I take my glasses off. I'm like, yeah, my glasses are clean. I'm looking at it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D is the number one movie in America? Really? 
21.7 million. I, I don't expect it to be their number one next week. And if it is, uh, I, hey, I like horror movies as much as the next person. Don't get me wrong. But come on, how many times can you redo Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Here, pay extra with some, with some glasses. 3D. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You haven't seen it? What? Two years? Let's redo it again. Maybe they'll make another Spider-Man movie next year. Hey, this is our top movies, uh, and I want to thank uh, Matt from Fear Factory stopping in. Mike, wonderful job as always. I want to thank everybody out there for the uh, support. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Ryan underscore unsigned. we got great guests lined up. Varna next week. We have Black Robot uh, the week after that, and a lot of other guests. Uh, stick with me on Twitter. Uh, keep posting on all the great bands we have coming on the show, and uh, soon to be uh, more. Where I, we're considering changing on a format where we actually start featuring two guests on the show and we're still going to do our sports we're still going to do our, our music news we're still going to do our wacky stories of teachers banging their students and people butt dialing while the robin hotels and all that good fun stuff that we do hey my name is ryan it seems harder to enjoy the finer things in life until do until next time do so everybody